we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what. You bugging ass Jeff, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> Hey Lachlan, welcome to Cheesy. I like uh, I like guests that bring gifts. Yep, um, always. Especially when it's gifts from a shop that I frequent reasonably often, and I would frequent a lot more often because I, I work for a um, butcher supply company just down yep. the road. Yeah, yeah, in Morningside and Linton Road. Mm. That way. Yeah, yeah, familiar. Um, just up past the bowling centre, mm-hmm. and um, but I work quite. I start quite early, yep. and I'm often driving past, and before you guys open in yep. the morning, and I always forget. It's yep. like, oh, I'll go in and get a croissant. Oh, it's six twenty. Pull pull up, and it's like, oh, they're open. It's a bakery. It's supposed to be open early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> off I drive. So. Yep. Yeah, but not that you guys would ever struggle for customers, I would imagine. Yeah, no, we open at 6.30, but um, the issue, I think, early is everyone gets in there and they expect to have a full range, so we just, we're not able to do that. Yeah. So um, that's why we do the 6.30 one, that way we can get on top of it. So you're more a uh, patisserie than a bakery, would you say? I think when we first opened, I think we sort of wanted to go for a name that, you know, sort of... Know, it was a bit more enticing and a bit more you know it's not like an everyday australian bakery where you're going to get a lemington and a yeah. pie um, and that's what we sort of aimed for when we were searching for a name like do people come in for this sort of stuff more than bread do you think uh i think i think um with bread people come in for their daily bread yeah and then they're enticed by yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, so it's, as soon as we get people in the door we, it's, we know Im- it's impossible to walk out with something yeah. without something like, it's, it's really fun to see and yeah. it's 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 a good feeling and you know it's great to share that experience with your customers and you know it's hearing about what their favorite things are and oh what's that oh my god mm-hmm. so those things are really fun and that's something that we really do enjoy doing what's your turnover of products like like how often do you take something out and do something new at the moment, we've just come back from our Christmas break and we're back into the swing of things. And currently what we're doing is sort of sitting down and, you know, having a look at what is moving, yeah. what needs to be refreshed and changed. And currently we're focusing on sandwiches. We've gone from like a three days a week and we've pushed it back up to five days from Monday to Friday just to really look after the business crowd around us. Around us. Um, but every time we try and take something off the menu and alter it, we just suddenly get an influx of orders for that bloody product. So yep. we tried to take Turkish Light Cake off last year and suddenly we had, you know, two 11-inch cakes, you know, three of this and five of them. And it's just, it's a bit difficult. So we tend to keep on building and building and building, but it is getting to that point where... We something's, something's got to give. So we've got to pull back on certain products so we can increase different ranges and whatnot. What about fresh ingredients does that dictate it all like it does the, the, i think the, the berries like obviously they're not all year round yeah well that's right so um until very recently all the raspberries um we sourced from the sunshine coast oh and right now the farm's not producing raspberries and definitely not in this weather no um even lettuce is starting to get a bit hard with this weather it makes just bitter and wilted yep. and disgusting um especially rocket every time we get a rocket in we send it back because it's, that right? it's that far gone already it's just not sure what it is. I don't know if they're getting it there. They're packing it. And it's just wilting like straight away. Stuff. Yeah, I've got a little. Um, um, I'm a hopeless gardener. I really like fresh food, yeah. but I, I'm not very good at it because I forget to water. Mm. So um, I've done aquaponics before, yeah. and when the kids came, it wasn't a very safe sort of like it was you could get into it basically. Yeah. So I pulled it all down, and I've yeah. just restarted doing one, mm. but. Um, 
sort of getting it established and it's been so hot and the heat hitting the side of it the water was getting too hot oh yeah it's cooking in the roots yeah i was putting stuff in and it wasn't getting it was basically wilting and dying before it could sort of get established and mm. get going and i've managed to get a basil and a couple of tomato plants going and i think it's pr- sort of shading it and providing yeah. a bit of a microclimate now yeah um but yeah, every time I put lettuce in, the, just the, the heat of the water, it had just wilted, it just couldn't cope with the heat. Yeah, it just falls over. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. I give up trying to grow lettuce. Yeah. I was, I was huge into gardening. I nearly pulled out of pastry cooking back in 2006, 2005. Yeah. Did my certificates in gardening and did my two, certificate two and three and was going to go do gardening and and then they went applied for a job and they said it was $8.50 an hour. And I went, okay, well, I'll just stick with what I'm doing and I'll just enjoy gardening. So, yeah. But, you know, since I've had the kids and got the shop, I just, I don't really garden as much as I did. So yeah. to, it is something I still enjoy, I've, though. I've got a little bit of wild rocket and a couple of wild lettuces that sort of yep. pop up here and there. But it's been so, it's been such a dry couple of years. Mm. Like, you sort of need good... Like need soil needs to be nice and moist for that sort mm. of wild, just general regrowth to happen. Mm. It's been too dry. Yeah, where you, where you got it? You got down the side of your house? Um, I've got 10 acres. So Holy dooly, you got heaps of room. Yeah, most, <laughs> mostly lantana yeah. and some grass for some cows. But um, Yeah, have you got cows? Uh, I've got, oh, I had two cows. Yeah. Uh, one got bitten by a snake. Oh, that's upsetting. And the other one is off getting pregnant at the moment so she'll okay. be back, back soon oh, that's nice what sort of cows uh jerseys yeah beautiful yeah, milking cows I'm, yeah you, you have milked my own cheese for yeah a while. yeah it's very fun so it's awesome when i was a kid my um my auntie had a cattle farm i'm from at pittsworth that's where toowoomba and my auntie had a um a dairy farm at iron gate which is not far from pittsworth and as a kid every time i went there just freaked me out because you sit at the table and they give you hot milk straight from the yard oh, yeah. and you know, they're down there and checking all the cows and washing all the teats. And I was very young then, I was probably five or six. Yeah, well, my um, mum my mum owned a commercial dairy farm yeah. um, and then went through a divorce when I was born. And that was a school teacher as well. And then mm. moved sort of back to Gladstone. Yeah. And so oh, I never knew the dairy farm, but she thought it was hilarious when I bought cows. Yeah, yeah. You know, that she... And yeah, she loves such, it. They're such beautiful she, animals. Um, you know, she... Like, the difference between you know fresh milk and yeah and and store but though it's a lot different now because you can get a lot of the good you know Mulaney dairies and mm. norco and all that are doing the straight milk yep now so yep. um because it's unhomogenized but it's pasteurized yeah. or is it the other way around no pasteurized but not homogenized yeah, yeah. so it's essentially just milk mm. it's, i think it's funny how it's sort of labeled as this premium product but it's essentially milk hey we've done we've done the least amount possible to it and yeah. we're going to charge you more yeah, yeah. um but yeah that's the way it is but uh, the the Mulaney and the norco one i really like but and the scenic rim one as well because mm. you can see the um feed changes mm. so you know when obviously when it rains and they get a good bit of grass yep. the cream yeah, lots of cream. It, the cream goes up and then yep. you know when you can almost see when they're fe- feeding them hay or yep. or the grass is not as good it gets quite yeah. It's quite trim, so yeah, it freaks my wife out that, that that milk with the cream on top. Yeah, right. She's like, "Oh, I don't like it." So. Well, the the two the I had a the first cow I had was a Jersey Guernsey cross. Yeah, and I used to feed her. I had a um, fruit shop that used to give me their waste. Yeah, she'd get pumpkin and oh, she's happy pears cow. and like all like real high sugar diet. Yeah, high fructose diet, and yeah, yeah. I used to get such I used to get like almost like a third cream yeah um and i used to make uh my standard thing that i make was just feta you yeah. know like a soft danish style feta yeah um it's so creamy because mm. it just take, it's so just, different wouldn't take the cream off it yeah yeah you because know, i could just make that and everyone always wanted it it was just one of those things i could always you know always give away yep. so that's cool how do you guys go with waste do you have much waste we try not to have much waste yeah. we um we really try and produce what we're going to sell mm. um, because obviously anything you throw in the bin or waste is cuts into your profits because you're paying people to make it you're paying for all the ingredients mm. so um, we really do try and keep on top we have records every single day exactly what we're sold and 
um, and it's an ongoing thing. Last weekend, it was a really, really hot weekend, so we pulled production back 10 15% right across the board. Because you knew that you'd just get less people. Well, the hot weather is really not food weather. Yeah. Um, it does really affect business. Um, the weekend before was mind-bogglingly quiet. It was just ridiculously quiet. I do think a lot of people went away the weekend before, and last weekend they just... Sat in the they air just, conditioning or water. But we did we did get really busy on Saturday and Sunday, and, you know, we pretty much sold out by 10 30 11 yeah but then after 11 between 11 and 2 we really only had a trickle of people it wasn't really much so, yeah. um, so it was the right thing to do your um your style bread would probably make the best bread crumbs ever yeah I it's imagine. good bread crumbs yeah, yeah yeah so we um we actually use them in the sausage rolls and oh, okay yeah, no, we do utilize them absolutely yeah. so but you know all the staff any bread that's left over staff are welcome to take home too and yeah so we want them eating all our products and you know the more knowledgeable they are and you know we've actually got which is i always think it's hilarious that that my local bakery just outside um um bean lee the guy there has um worked overseas in italian bakeries and french bakeries and he, mm, on weekends okay. he makes his own sourdough yeah. and it's a damn good sourdough mm. i just think it's bizarre that just outside bean lee there's a guy yeah. making like proper authentic sourdough yep um in not a fancy like you'd never if you drove past it there's no way in the world you'd know yep um and i only know because my navy started buying it and bringing it over for us yeah amazing sourdough mm. but um yeah if i ever if ever, it ever gets to the point where there's some leftover stale it makes fantastic breadcrumbs <laughs> it just never makes it there does it yeah i'll just keep different. putting it through the toaster yeah it'll be fine yeah oh, it doesn't even make it to the toaster mm. it's usually sliced very thick with about an inch of butter on it yeah so. yeah yeah so what have we got here um, just brought you some some roulades. That's a chocolate roulade from, mm. um, with raspberries for it. Just a couple of little fruit tarts and little eclairs, little pistachio eclair, and some little shoe buns as well. So, um, but you should dig in. Well, you might be able to. I, I've got heaps of questions to ask you, but yeah, flour. Mm-hmm. How, like obviously, flour is the most important thing. Mm. But how, do you pretty much use one type of flour? Or yeah. do you use like we, we use a one, different one for bread and a different one for the pastry stuff? Well, it's interesting you ask that. When we when we first established, we were using Kyala flour. We used 100% organic, organic flour right across the board. And we found that because they weren't playing with it or altering it, whatever, that it wasn't bad for making cakes with it. It was okay. It was good for pastry and everything. It didn't have too much of a gluten content. Um, but in saying that, we were having difficulties in you know getting the bread to full development and everything because the lower gluten you had to mix it longer and yep. play with the water until it was right and it's a little bit of playing around. Um, mid last year, we actually changed our supplier from Kyella to whole grain and whole grain milling there in New South Wales. And what they're doing is actually um, doing a sustainable flour. So. Very, very similar practices to organic milling, except for um, they're able to um, feed the soil when it's low. They test all the soil. They do everything that's organic, except for they're able to test the soil and increase, you know, the soil's nitrogen levels if they need to and all the rest of it. Where with organic, they just keep planting and tilling. They do the green crop and the way they go again. They don't really play with it too much. Um, All the chemicals are still pretty much under the organic guidelines yep. so very very minimalistic well, obviously organic you can't use any but they do use um, occasionally once a year apparently they will do a small amount of pesticide if they need to uh, but that's very rare um, but what they're doing is they don't have to say it's organic and they don't have to get that certification and all the rest of it so they've actually got this whole practice they've got all their own farmers doing it all so it's quite exciting and a lot of the bakeries right across um, the east coast of Australia have really jumped on board and um, are supporting them because I think it's probably um, the future of flour in Australia because organic flour is getting harder and harder to source and it's getting ex- you know it's getting really expensive to, to, to get as well well that's right most of our stuff is actually um, being shipped overseas now so it's uh, really dwindling our markets here. it's a little bit like the meat industry yeah so most most of the the issue we were facing uh beginning last year was all our organic flour was in conversion organic flour so they were charging maybe a dollar less a bag um but 
really it was absolutely no difference whatsoever. It's still in conversion. It was pretty much exactly what we're using now. It's just under a different brand. And, yep. But um, so still just using one type, or you that's right. So we use um, whole grain milling. We use a sustainable. So all our products are use sustainable flour now. Um, but with the cake flours, we actually have started using cake flours, so they have a less of a protein in them, yeah. and just to be a bit more gentle on the cake, so we can get a higher quality. And the pastry flour, we go for a higher protein than the cake, so yeah. a little bit of playing around, and it's been ongoing um, over the last since we've come on board with them. We've actually started getting our flour aged now as well. Oh. Uh, we're finding that that's um, being a bit more stable when they're like coming in they're milling it sending it straight to us we're finding it was still a little bit warm and whatnot and okay. some of the proteins were having problems developing properly and so older flour is better than well it's it's it? different there's there's a lot of um it's just a little bit different I, I think it's a little bit more stable the older flour so yeah uh, we're able to get our dough more consistently mixed it'll take on the water that needs to take on it instead of repelling it like some of the fresh flour does oh right so it's almost hydrophobic it's like yeah like really it, dry soil. It, it does seem that way yeah. yeah so it does seem to be a bit more stable and it does seem to be taking it on better and but i think we're having better luck with our bloom and oven lift and everything with it since we've started aging it a bit yeah so but it is interesting and it is something you know that's something you know we really had to learn when we started like when we started the business was you know every every we get a delivery we get a ton of flour every two weeks and it has been wow. that way. it used to be every three weeks but we go through a ton every two weeks and every batch is that little bit different you've got to increase the water and it's still that way now even with the sustainable yeah um it's not like um the big commercial bunches where every single bag is you know tested and altered and yeah. and added and it, so it's exactly this it's never that so it, it's it, it's a little bit like that um uh, well, probably not exactly the same, but I always find it hilarious that milk was like the pasteurized homogenized milk was created because they were trying to create a product that was exactly the same all year round. Mm. But when you do that, you pull it down to the lowest common denominator mm. because you have to. You can't. You can't sort of make bad milk good. You can only make good milk back to the the lower standard. Mm. Um, and I just find it hilarious that people want that variability gone. Yeah. Whereas, like, who can really taste the difference from milk in June to milk in September? You're really going to know. I think I think a lot of the coffee people know because they, oh, they, right. they have a real issue, you know, sometimes of the year with, um, you with know, the stre- the stretching the milk and you know, yeah, yeah I, I've, I've, we've got a little coffee machine in the kitchen just for the staff. Yeah. Because if I'm getting up at midnight, I'm not drinking crap coffee. No, no. I'm drinking something that I like and. No, so lucky for my staff, you know, they get to have a coffee machine. But we we really find throughout the year you do see drastic changes in milk, and we do as with cream too. We use a hell of a lot of cream. Cream, yeah. I think we'd probably use. Um, but are you happy to live with the variability in the flour to have a better flour? I am absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I see it as more of a challenge, and you know, part of being. You know, not an artist, but you know, it's part of yeah, yeah. being a professional yeah, well, and what th- we do. That, that's what I sort of feel is mm. like. It, I'd rather something be a little bit more creative and a little bit more have a bit more flair and a little bit more love yeah. in it, and have a bit of variability Absolutely. than walking in and mm. you know having a McDonald's burger that's exactly the same everywhere. Yeah, but is pretty crap. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. being always the same is not as not necessarily the best yeah. so yeah well we um we upgraded our machinery recently in the kitchen we upgraded our prover we used to have a big steam chamber oh, yeah. so prover just basically keeps it moist and humid and warm so it can rise properly um we upgraded one of our ovens as well and just with that upgrade you know we've got to learn the very variance with that too so <laughs> you're enjoying that that's damn good what is that that's <laughs> our little chocolate eclair it's delicious Wow. They're a bit addictive. I like the pistachio one. It's really good at midnight. Um, I've had to pull out, pull back on eating them at midnight because I was just getting really tubby. I've been, um, mm. I've been telling my, my dad he loves his his pastries, mm. and you know Gladstone's not exactly the epicenter for pastries. Yeah, and I keep telling him that when they come down and they come you know come from glass and all the way down to my place, you know, mm. I'm like you should drop, just come off the gateway a little yep. bit and pop in and have a look yep. at flour and chocolate. I think I'll insist that he um, 
goes to Trozic because he loves an eclair. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, the little ones, we do bigger ones, of course, as well. Mm. Um, that's fun. And then it's fun to create different things. Like we, um, we're pushing again with our social media currently, you know, what flavours do you want in, say, donuts and brunuts and cronuts this week? And Yeah. You know, it gives people the, it's an idea and gives them a, a chance to say, we want this and we want that. And, you know, we can create different things for everyone. I better take a podcast photo before I eat everything. <laughs> um, so where did you, did you, like, did you do all your training in Australia or did you do some overseas? I did. I've, I've never been really fortunate enough to go overseas until I got married mm. and went on a honeymoon. But prior to that, um, I grew up in a small town outside Toowoomba called Bitsworth. And, but we had a little, we had a bread machine when I was a boy. We had a bread machine for years before I became a baker and I used to play with it every day and, um, you know, make our little loaves and whatnot. I was really excited every morning to get up to make my bread. But I was, um, harassing my mother in year 10 you know i'm bored i'm bored i'm bored and she just got the willies and told me go get a job so it never really occurred to me just go get a job so um being a small town you know everyone knows where there's a job available there's a job at the butcher there was a job at the bakery and there was a job at the mechanics yeah well you know dad, all dad would let me do it when we were doing mechanics was hold the bloody torch so yeah. i wasn't very good at mechanics and back then you know when i was a kid we used to slaughter our own chickens and all our own turkeys and yeah. Um, when I was young, I didn't mind doing, but as I got old, I really didn't really enjoy that. Um, so that left the bakery. That left the bakery. So you know, and I I love cooking. You know, Mum's a good cook, and we used to make everything from scratch when we were kids. Um, so it was really a no-brainer. So I went in and asked for a job, and I came in, worked my first day on my birthday when I was my fifteenth birthday, and mm. um, used to work every weekend till I finished grade ten, and then I started my apprenticeship straight away. So I did. Two years um, working for Brendan in Pittsworth. Um, we used to work Monday to Saturday, six days a week, and uh, midnight starts. And then um, from then I went to Jupiter's down the Gold Coast and did my last two years at Jupiter's. So I got sworn at in every single language possible. So have you ever had, when's the last time you had like a week of, you know, sundown to sun up sleep? Uh, no, sleep's weird. Like, I, I am all over shop. Like, uh, Monday I started work at 1 a.m. Tuesday I started work at 10 p.m. Um, I didn't get to, get to work today. I was a busy day. had a lot of meetings today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all over shop. Like, um, I thought I had sleep problems a couple of years ago. I went to a sleep doctor and he said, no, well, you just, you just need to get more sleep. That's all you need. So, well, that sounds really good. I follow... Um I follow the NBA, and the, the funny thing about the NBA is it's such a competitive league that everyone is looking for an edge, mm. and they've done quite a bit of research lately about, uh, they call it sleep debt, mm. because you know they start their games at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, the game might go for two hours, and then you know they warm down and mm. stretch, and they make sure they feed them, and then then they go out and they have dinner and then you know it's one o'clock in the morning and yeah. you're trying to wind down and then you might catch a plane at seven o'clock the next morning to go to another game in another city at a different night and yeah and they sort of talk about how um you actually have to sleep in the off season a lot to build up the sleep reserves for the next season mm. and the players that don't that, that basically the young guys that go and party all off season yep and don't sleep much they break down not so much the next year but the year like it actually catches up with you Mm. and so they're doing heaps of work in terms of monitoring how much their their players are getting sleep Mm. and when they have off days you know go and have a couple of hours sleep in the middle of the day you know add add the actually add the hours up that you need to sleep yeah because they think it's that big an issue i don't think you realize um how important sleep is until you know you spend several years not doing any of it Mm. Um, when we first started the business, you know, we used to, I started at like midnight and then, you know, we'd leave work at 8 p.m. at night and, mm. you know, we'd have the kids there and we'd have dinner at work and then we'd go home and I'd have like three, four hours sleep and get back to work again. And after that first year of work, I got the shingles. Yeah. So I had it all on my face and, you know, that wasn't fun. So Yeah, your you body know, does tell you stuff. Eh? Yeah, and that's why we, you know, we have our break at, after Christmas. Yeah. Spend the first two weeks just sleeping and feeling like crap. Mm. It's not really that fun. So... 
Um, sleep is certainly something that, since I spoke to the doctor last year, that we've really been focusing on. Lachlan needs more sleep. Um, <laughs> so, and that's, you know, and that led us to, you know, putting a manager in the kitchen and, you know, make sure we've got a manager in the shop and really, you know, getting um, positions in place that we can actually continue to grow as opposed to you know start venturing backwards yeah. because of lack of sleep and because it's very easy to get excited oh wow i'm excited i'm gonna go yeah. to work and make lots of stuff and you know, hopefully we sell it but it's not good for your health do you um do you have many apprentices we've got three currently so we've got two and a half we've got two tori's a third year she finishes in november Dane's a second year and shani's in grade 11 now and she's been with us for a year now so she yeah. does um, a part-time a school-based apprenticeship yep so uh, so you, are you finding that with um you know things like master chef and mm. all, all the sort of interest in food from um you know everywhere like and mm. it's you know master chef's like the ultra can commercial sort of arm of of food television i guess but yeah. uh like i oh, what's the one it's not food safari it's the it's it's a off branch of food safari on SBS. Yeah. Um, which who's in it? It's is it Maeve O'Mara, I think. Okay. Um, not Good Food Australia it was the original one. That was Food Safari. Then it was Food Safari Italian. Food Safari French. Yeah. This this one was the, the last one I watched was. Uh, it, it was more themed around like bread, so yeah. or, or you know do, yeah, they, dough stuff, yep. and they went to all different cultures and, and all the different yeah. ways. You, you know, from the tandoor to the yeah, I remember French it. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, I watched it. And and like, there's just so much. It just seems to be a lot more interesting, I guess. Mm. Are you guys finding that in terms of is it easier to find apprentices than I think it might have been e- ten years ago? I think. Um, the general feeling and my experience is a lot of the apprentices don't work out. Uh, I think we've been pretty unfortunate with these last three. Um, when we first opened, we employed an apprentice. She was really keen. She came from an office background, really wanted to be, you know, make wedding cakes and this and that. And after about two years, she just sort of started pulling back, pulling back, pulling back and um, pulled, pulled out and went back to an office job. Um, I think it's really easy to get excited watching tv mm, oh i'm just gonna go back to my own restaurant and until you get into the grind yeah well, i think you know you make dinner once and it comes out really nice but you do it a million times yeah um it's a, it's a different thing it's, it's it, it really is like it's a journey i, I love my cooking mm. and i reckon i'm a pretty good cook mm. and you do get asked that question all the time oh why didn't you be a chef well a chef has to do it every single day or shocking hours at the time (laughs) i was running live music venues and i was working 70 hour weeks and working weekends and working nights and and it used to like i used to used to be a running joke oh why didn't you become a chef oh the hours are terrible and then i'd have a laugh you know because i was getting paid probably half what a chef was as well yeah um but that's the thing like having to back up and replicate it but then Mm. having the passion to be able to back up and replicate it it and keep going yeah yeah Mm. and to sort of to 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 refine it and sort of make it perfect and, mm. and and find joy in that it's just not something i think i have yeah it is it is it's one of those things you um like i remember as an apprentice like when i first started I was like, oh okay and i got really excited in it and then you go through the phase where oh man this is tedious and then yeah. oh god i hate this product and then you know i um had someone from our shop helping in the kitchen recently and you know as far as they were concerned every job i gave them was a boring job yeah there's no boring job in the kitchen it's it's the jobs and you know it takes all these different elements to finish the product so there's no boring jobs it's just what it is but people have you know like grating carrots oh that's boring well if you need to grate carrots for carrot cake well it has to be done yeah that's just it there's no boring jobs it's just the job so you know it's how you put your passion in and wind it all together at the end and you know, continuing to work on that and grow on that and learn from it, like you make a mistake and you notice it and, mm. you know, that's, I think that's what makes you a professional and, you know, and that's what makes you really good at what you do and enjoy. That is, I like an excellent thing because my wife likes cooking as like an occasional pastime, mm. but I think if she's tired or stressed or whatever, then the idea of having to grate a carrot is just like... Mind-boggling. It's just, oh man, do I have to do that? Whereas I don't even think about it. Like for me, I find I find cooking really relaxing. Mm. So you know, grating a carrot, it, it, I don't even think about it. It's just not something that I think about. It's just yeah. you know, you, you're cooking like I cooked risotto last night. You know, I have to create grate a carrot and grate an onion. It's yep. not 
that big a deal. Like, yep. I think it's the biggest just part of the process. I think the biggest it? stress I have cooking at home is my wife saying, "Oh God, I've got to clean up." So, oh really? <laughs> so actually, you know, we've got a commercial dishwasher at home now, and yeah, that's no longer a big thing. But it's always, you know, entire. The whole entire time, the last 18 years being together, oh God, he's cooking, oh no. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid to get a different pan and another pan. If yeah, I yeah, yeah, there. I'm the same. You know, we're, she's really a one pot pan lady. You know, yeah. We're just going to use this one, we're just going to do this one. So. Minimal, minimal. Yeah, no, I'm not minimal. minimal I want to do it all. I want to make everything messy. We've, um, uh, we've got an Italian au pair living with us at the moment yeah. and she loves food mm. and she just thinks it's heaven. She's quite happy to wash up all the time. Yep. <laughs> you just, yep. keep, just keep the food coming. Yep. Just keep it coming. Um, so I did, um, I've got a little, uh, one of our relatives had one of those little Breville waffle makers. Yeah. And for some reason I never, um, I never got into waffles until she gave me this waffle machine. Yep. And I love it. I love waffles. I need to get a waffle machine. They're fantastic. Because yep. I got my, I got my sourdough starter. See, yeah. So I put a bit of, um, uh, sourdough starter in it as well yep and they just come out so tangy and yeah. what time do you do that day before or yeah I do it the night before yeah. or, or you know 24 hours before and just yep. put it in a big jar and stick it in the back fridge oh yeah and just let it go yeah I've, I've talked to i actually got the idea of someone that does it with a commercial waffle you know like the big ones yeah, that big seal crisp. really well yeah and she said that they i think they leave theirs for like three days mm. And it really creates quite a, you know, a reaction. And then um, she said that they need that big commercial waffle machine because otherwise it'll actually come out the sides as it expands. Yep. Um, but I guess it'd be so light salivating though. Like, oh, yeah. Like the culture now just... Yeah. Yum. So, yeah, waffles are like the standard dessert because they're so easy to make. Yep. And they're... I think they're just... I, I love cooking where you get a really good... Um, result for uh, like having that one ingredient like just doing one thing so you know maintaining a sourdough starter not everyone's going to do yep. but if you have it there mm. and you make you know sourdough waffles it's, yep. it's fantastic so. and it's cool like you know if you suddenly start feeding your the starter differently you start getting different variations in it and yeah give it a different flour and you start getting different oh. flavors and I'm a terrible measuring cook yep. just oh, um the, 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 I do do a few things. I occasionally I make croissants yep. from scratch. Yep. Um, which I should ask you whether you've got any any tips. Sure, far away. I make um, a lot of croissants. Yeah. So is there? It seems like it's quite a long process. Is that am I? Is that Generally correct? Two or three days, I think. Yeah. Like you'd need at least two days. Yeah. Um, so that, that that there is no shortcut way of doing that. Oh, there's plenty of shortcuts. It's just um, you don't get the product you want. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's it's one of those things. You can cut out this and all the rest of it, but what you're going to have at the end, you know, is it? It's just one of those things. You make your dough the first day and let it rest overnight. Yeah. And then the. Um, then you start getting your butter laminated through it and rest it in between the turns. Yep. And then you can cut it out. So you, if you started on, say, Wednesday morning, well, this morning, you could have it out by tomorrow morning. Yeah. If you needed to. It's, I don't mind. What I actually did, and I haven't done this for a while because I've been quite busy with the kids, but so the recipe that I had said cut cut it, like once you get to the stage where you cut it and roll it into the little yep, sort of into the croissants. croissants the yep. Um, then you, at that stage you can freeze it. Yep. And then just pull them out when you... If you're fast enough, absolutely. And uh, if your freeze is strong enough too. So, so you've got to freeze it very quickly. Yeah, if it starts, the yeast starts moving, um, then when you're freezing it, it's still going to try and move inside. Yep. And once, they have, once you put in the freezer, the butter's going to set, and it'll sort of start continuing to rise inside, and it'll yeah. really hurt the yeast quite a lot. Okay, well, the but ones you can I get did the dough were like... really cold and... Were like like when I froze yeah. them, they were quite small. Frozen, yeah, yeah, they so. should have been fine. Yeah, 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 they came out good. Like you just yeah. defrosted them and let them sit there and rise. And yeah, just pull and them, pull them out at night before, put them in the fridge on your yeah. tray, and away you go the next morning. And they were, yep, yeah. delicious. And there's nothing better than fresh. It's amazing. Fresh sunset. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, yeah, it's not good for the tummy when you make them every single day. No, <laughs> I try not to eat those anymore. I try not to. Um, I, used, I used to have a butcher that used to do um, smoked chicken wings. Yep. And I timed. I've never had smoked chicken wings. It sounds oh, good. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. And I, I used to time 
time my whole day around the smoked chicken wings coming out of his oven. Yep. And he did sort of like, oh, yes, oh, they're almost that. ready. Yep. Um, they're just, yeah. You I just can relate get, to that. You get like six, <laughs> 600 grams of them for lunch and yep. there, you know, oh, yeah, that's that's guaranteed to put yeah. put a few kilos on you. Yeah, no, exactly. I know exactly how you're going. So what's your... Well, I know this is a bit like asking what your favourite kid is, but what's mm. your favourite thing to eat? In our shop? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, oh, it's difficult. Um, it'd either be a baguette or a croissant. Yeah, um, just that fr- fresh bread. Just yeah, I, you get that, you got that crunch and you smear a little tiny bit of butter on there and away you go. It's, or, or a large amount of butter. Yeah, oh, you put, put a little bit of baguette with your butter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it's really enjoyable. But I really like croissants as well like ripping the end off and pulling the guts out and mm. eating unpeeling them and i'm a really messy croissant maker eater i don't just start chewing into it. i have to unwind them and it's it's quite fun it's got crumbs everywhere so but when i was a boy we used to go to clounder and there was a german bakery up the top of the hill and every morning we used to walk up there and wait for them to come out of the oven and they come out of the oven and know get them and I'd, I'd get them home and i'd unwrap them and completely like try and get the, all the layers there and, and i still remember that vividly and you know and i think it's one of those real strong memories i have in it as a kid and especially one of my strongest croissant memories and you know i think ours are just like that mm. and you know it's really enjoyable and you know it's it's great you know when you have that memory and you taste it it's like hearing an old song and every time you have one it's like oh it's just, I, don't, I just don't yeah, I don't think you can beat um, fresh bread, like mm. fresh bread out of the oven. So what's your, um, for a, a home baker, mm. like sourdough's not hard, but it is a no, little bit it's involved. A, it's oh, what, it's what, one of those things, it's, it's time. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, we live in such an on-demand world now where I want my phone, I want to just Google something and mm. I want the end result. I think with bread, um, if you have time, you don't need to give it very much time in each element, but you do need a, a couple of days. Yeah. So the first element, you know, I've got books at home where they don't really even mix the ingredients together. They just put it in a bowl, mix, 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 and that's it. Yeah. And then they leave it and they fold it and then leave it and fold it. If you've got time to do that, you've got time to make yeah. good bread. That's that's the way I do it when, mm. I, when I do do it. Yeah. Um, I've got the crappiest oven in the world. Yeah. But you've got um, a big cast iron pot? Yeah, so uh, actually for for one of these, uh, I don't know if you know Warwick Quinton. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a baker and his mate's an engineer mm-hmm. and they build, they design and build sourdough white ovens. Okay. Wood-fired white ovens. Yep. Um, Is he down south? Is that Australia? Yeah, he's, he's in, in New South Wales. Wales. Okay, yep. Um, I'll, I'll send you yeah, a, a link to his Instagram. He's yeah. amazing guy. He's sort of like part mad scientist, part engineer, part baker. Yep. Um, Sounds like a good baker. Yeah. He, <laughs> and and he, it's really interesting because they're not sort of um, content with their ovens being done. Mm. Like they're, they're, they're always modifying and, and refining their, yep, their design. Yep. Um, beautiful, beautiful ovens. Yeah. Mm. Um, like the commercial ones are just amazing Mm. um but yeah he was saying even on the he's given me like a thing to do it on the barbecue yep you know with um the the pizza stone and the get the tins of water on the ends and like i've got a whole method written out on how to do it so but yeah the method he gave me is that sort of thing like you know start it mix it let it sit take it out put the salt on it fold it let it sit for a day bring it back out you yeah, you know, he's like not much work. It's mm. just you just have to remember to do every stage, mm. and then you got to remember on Wednesday if you want if you want to leave a sourdough yeah, on the weekend. That's right. Yeah, so. It's just there's no quick steps, especially with sourdough. There's no you can't rush it. It is it's going to take as long as it takes. So what about a, a standard, um, like just a standard loaf or a, a, a like a? Yeah, a, I think I think it comes back to how much yeast you put in it. Yeah. Um, with what we use at our shop, we only use you know 0.7 or less of a commercial yeast, and we use compound yeast. Yeah. Um, so com- sorry, the, compressed yeast, not compound yeast. That's the fresh stuff. That's like, the fresh yeast. Yeah. So generally, the guidelines like if you were to do your apprenticeship, they would say, oh, you need three percent yeast. 
Ah, okay. So, and that gives you, because since the 60s, it's all about instant bread and, you know, we want the baker to go in, chuck in the machine, mix it, take it out, cut it out, put it through a stick roller, put it in a tin, prove it up, put it in the oven. And that takes two or three hours from start to finish. And that's generally what you find at practically every bakery across Australia. Mm. And that's, you know, that came around in the 60s and, you know, and that was instant bread and... Um, but you know we use 0.7 percent and the reason we do that is we don't want the yeast to you know eat everything and then just you know shit itself and die and you know consume all the sugars and go sour so we put a lot less yeast in it but then we ferment it for 24 hours so we do a cold fermentation in the fridge so we make our dough um, we weigh it off into our tubs and then we ferment that for 24 hours before we then cut it out, pre-mould it and then do a final shape on it and that's what gives you that real flavour. Um, it's fermented as long as a sourdough, it just has a commercial yeast in it which yep. will give you that consistent rising products once you get to the oven. So, uh, so if I want a, because I'm a sucker for soft white bread. Yep. So what gives it that softness? So a lot of, uh, we don't put any um, oils or anything like that in our doughs unless we're making focaccia, in which case we do. Mm. A lot of bakeries will use like fats and things like that to oh, give so you that softness. And they will even use sugars as well. Yeah, so right. um, you could use oil, you could use um, you could use milk powder instead of milk. Yep. Problem with fresh milk is it's got a protein in there which actually breaks the gluten down. So you actually want to use a milk powder instead. It, when they dry the milk, it changes the proteins. Oh, the milk right. powder. So, I uh, have made. I've got a. Uh, someone gave me a, a like a, a bread book that's like all no standard recipes. It's yep. all weird recipes. So like potato bread and yeah. you know you grate potato and yep. you know the, obviously the sugars in that is what the yeast is eating and yeah. Uh, there there was a milk one. Yep. and it turned out all right. I think. Yeah, now the milk is good, but as as a when you um, in a bakery scenario. You'll get a much better lift if you actually use milk powder. Just yeah. it just gives that protein a bit of a break, and that might start breaking down your gluten strands. And I think that's very true over a, like a long fermentation as well. Yeah. Um, but if you want it to be nice and soft and everything, you start adding things like improvers, which um, which is generally the vitamin C, or a lot of them use like a soy soy-based product, oh. and that makes your breads whiter and fluffier and softer. Yeah. Um, or you put in fats and you can go percentage. So when you make it like a bun, it's really soft. Yeah. And that softness is from the sugar and from the fats. So it's usually 6% um, yeast. And then you've got, um, I think it's probably 10% fat that's yep. in it. And then you've got your sugar in it, it's probably 9 or 10% as well. So and like, that's what gives that real softness. And that sort of commercial white bread has a sort of is in between like a, a good loaf and a, yeah. and a, and a, and a bun sort what? of so it has a little bit of sugar yeah well if you go if you go along to have a look at the commercial if you turn it over and you have a look at the ingredients and there's like yeah. 600 different ingredients there and I don't know how they get them all in there it's incredible like our sourdough has it's got flour and it's got salt and it's got our culture and it's got water and there's nothing else in it absolutely nothing and um, you know, even our baguettes, we use milk powder in that one. Yeah. And we've got yeast. We've got a bit of vitamin C in there, flour. That's bit, it. That's it. So if I'm getting a very heavy loaf, mm. am I just not letting it rise enough? You're just being impatient. Yeah. Yeah. But then if your mother is um, fed too long in between times, it can be really sour. Yeah. And that sourness, once again, will make your bread a bit sour and it will break down the proteins Crazy. and make it harder to lift as well. Ah, okay. If you want to really ramp it up so your sourdough will rise faster, you could feed it regularly for a week before, like every day. Yep. And that'll make it really, really active um, and make it come up much faster, faster. as well. Oh, but then okay. if you use things like rye flowers, they've got a lot more germ, germ in there and there's a lot more for them to eat, a lot more... Um, ingredients and in a normal loaf of bread if it's that heavy just not letting it rise enough you could just go a little bit longer yeah, yeah. it just it just needs longer yeah um, what percentage of, of sour are you putting in there is it a percentage or is it sort of uh, like no yeah I do have a recipe for sourdough but if yeah. I'm making just a loaf of bread yeah I just yeast and water and flour yeah and if you're making just simple bread at home you could just do a 3 two, one recipe which is um, 3% yeast Two um, percent salt and then one percent improver. If you yeah. wanted it to, the improver isn't necessary, but it will. Um, from a commercial point of view, like all bakers will use improvers, 
that just gives you that finer crumb yeah and just makes it a bit fluffy and wider makes it a bit more active so what does the salt do then the salt controls the yeast without the salt um the yeast can expand too rapidly ah, okay. and you'll find that without the salt it'll taste very different too it's it's like when you're cooking at home you don't put yeah. salt in like on your roast it's like oh it's really natural but man it tastes like better than salt yeah so the salt really is a, f- a flavor enhancer um, but it's also a yeast inhibitor as well. It stops the yeast getting out of hand. It controls it a bit. So it sort of, yeah, makes it go in a nice sort of stable... It's a predictable way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all about predictions when it comes to baking. Like every day, you know, with this crazy weather we've been having lately, yeah. everything is out of, you know, the water that's coming out of the taps is warmer, yep. you know. Because um, you, you wouldn't like it almost be impossible to air condition the bakery, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. We do have air conditioning in our bakery, and you know, but once the ovens are on, well, yeah. you can kiss that air conditioning goodbye because you've got the exhaust hoods sucking it all out, you've got air vents bringing it all back in. Yeah. So, around that area is a bit of a nightmare in this weather. Yeah. Um, but elsewhere in the kitchen, we've you know, we've got to have air conditioning for you know, pastry production, and yeah. You know, we've all got chef's jackets on and all the rest of it. We don't, I don't want all the staff melting. That's right. So, but, you know, I think, you know, from my point of view in the bakeries I've worked in the past, mm, uh, I think Conrad Juba's had air conditioning. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You know, yeah. I've worked in other ones which have like... Well, it's sort of like a, you're fighting a losing battle, aren't you, with yeah, your commercial ovens? Yeah, that's right. So what about even like your flour? How does your flour go in this sort of heat? Yeah, that, well, it's, it it's in the coolest well? part of the room, and it yeah. does. And if, if it gets really warm, then when you're making your doughs, they get too warm too fast before yeah. you know the gluten starts developing, and then that heat starts knocking around your gluten as well as your yeast or your sourdough. So it is a strict battle. So we refrigerate all our water, get as cold as possible, and that gives us like a... A manageable temperature when it comes it off. comes out, yeah. So, but yeah, it is. It is those different elements every single day, every single week, all through the year. It's makes you know difference between making an occasional bread or doing something regularly, con- regularly, and trying to get a consistent product. So it is a it is an uphill battle every day. It's interesting. Do you do you get a like like obviously you get a feel for it, but can you walk around and sort of tell when a dough isn't behaving the way it should yeah we certainly can feel when it's underactive yeah um so with our sourdoughs we make them a day before and we ferment them overnight in the fridge um with our new systems we're trying to ferment them in a a retard approver so they're already molded and that gives them a chance to stay in their shape longer and so they get those bigger regular bubbles and all the rest of it but when you're cutting it out the next day, you can really feel if it's active or really underactive. And if it's like a big piece of heavy, cold Play-Doh, then you know it's really underactive. And, and to you know combat that, that just means that when we make it, we need to let it sit maybe two or three hours or four hours before we start cooling it down to get that really that activity flowing. And yeah. so, but it is constantly changing, and because that had really mess with your schedule and what goes into the oven when wouldn't it it does and it is one of those things it it it's either going to be you know croissants get in for the bread or bread gets in for the croissants and yeah you know the bread's at a much higher temperature than the croissants so to put the croissants in afterwards you got to get the ovens cooler again and yeah, yeah. so there, there is a there is a lot there and you know and i think um you know it's it's, it's fun <laughs> Gas ovens? Um, no, we actually use electric. I've used diesel in the past. When I was an apprentice, wow, we had a huge diesel, diesel oven. It, it had um, had a like had elements. No, it, it's like when you open up the side of the oven, it was like a F one eleven like flame coming out of it. How it was, did that not affect the the flavour of the bread? Oh, did mate, it was a hot place to work, and it was forty five degrees all but, day. But it, it didn't leave an, uh, like a, a diesel aftertaste on the product. No, not that I no, I remember that's when I was a boy. Yeah, because so, um, diesel's got quite like when mm, you burn diesel, you know you're burning diesel. Yeah, yeah, no, it was incredible. So, but um. I left there and he ended up selling that bakery a year later and the new people bought it. They got rid of that straight away and they got in the old Rotel ovens that you see in every Woolies and Baker's Light. Yeah, right. So, which are pretty... They're good for square loaves and things like that. But we don't do square loaves or anything like that, so they're pointless for me. Yeah. So... uh, Well, that was one of the interesting things Warwick explained to me about the... The, the black oven versus the white oven because I'd never really thought about it before but mm. he, you know he sort of explained the thermal mass and how you know a black oven you've got a 
you're heating up the whole thermal mass. It yeah. takes a long time to heat up. Yep. And then, you know, then that, that heat sort of slowly, slowly, slowly dissipates. Mm. But with the white oven, you're, it's the same sort of theory, but you basically get the thermal mass in there and then yep. you just, you're basically just ticking it along, you know, using your fire just to, mm. and you, but you can vary your temperature quite a bit. So, you know, if you need to do sourdough and then pizza, you, you can you do it in the it. same thing yep. reasonably quickly, like yep. compared to a, you know, a black oven where it's sort of like, well, you're here and then yeah. you, you want yeah, it to yeah, get back down here, you it's might wait six time. hours. Yeah. So, yep. Um, and no, mistakes happen and, you know, it's, the best one I ever saw was on a, a show I don't know if you've ever seen called River Cottage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got his book at home. I've got and, one of his um, books. Yep. He got a potter to make him some chicken. Um, they're like a pottery. Uh, they're like a big pot. And yeah, they cut yeah, in half. Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Starts with R. Um, I had one recently and I, I got really excited. I bought it. And I took it out of the oven and I put it into a wet spot and it cracked. Oh, <laughs> no. It's <laughs> like, oh, what's it called? Um, that's that's just, that's devastating. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they're but, very good. But when they, flavor. when they fired the oven, that, yep. you know, like this huge big room and you basically brick it all in. Mm. And then in one side of, um, you know, where they fed the fire, he, he built like a little pizza oven. Yeah, this massive commercial oven that got to some ridiculous you know, thousand degrees or something that to, to set these pottery, or all this different pottery. And, yeah, and you know, and they'd fire it, and yeah. then it would take a week, a whole week, to cool down. So you just mm. basically go away and come back in a week's time and um, unbrick this thing, and it was still warm to the touch even after a week. Incredible! Imagine uh, the slow roast you could do on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <have to laughs> stick a whole just pig in. dust left. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thanks for coming in. No, that was, that was and, fun. And thank you quick. very much for the food. I'm yeah. not. I'm gonna. You can do it. I'm, you I'm, need your energy. You if, need your, if I don't take something home, you'll get shot. I'll, I'll, I'll get killed. I will get killed. Especially yeah. since there's photographic evidence. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Um, but that was amazing. I liked the uh, the other. Min- Little Claire. Yeah. The you other tried the chocolate or the pistachio? No, I tried both. Yeah. Which yeah. one did you prefer? I think I preferred the chocolate. Yep. Yeah, just because of the filling, the yep. filling of the chocolate one yeah, was delicious. was amazing. Can't go wrong with chocolate custard. Yeah, custard and, and chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Um, and the the tartness, like I love um, a pastry with a bit of sort of something to cut through the yeah the the massive sweetness. So. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. I'm glad you enjoyed. Um, anything you want to plug other than the shop? Tell everybody where the shop is. Oh, we're, at, uh, we're at Morningside. Uh, we're at uh, 460, oh, Unit 461 Wyndham Road. Yeah. Um, we're currently open seven days. Um, come on down, say hello. We're open early, 6.30. Follow follow the um, Instagram and, yeah. and, and Twitter account. Yeah, jump on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. But, you know, we always take on suggestions. And yeah. If you're curious, drop us a line and... And no, just just be prepared to drool all over your phone. <laughs> I'll think of you time. <laughs> Thanks, mate.